At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Everywhere we turn, someone is promising to finally give us the satisfaction and happiness we long for. Yet from advertisements to political campaigns, these promises so often remain unfulfilled. We know God makes promises too, but do you ever wonder if He'll actually keep them? Join us for our Christmas series, Fulfilled, as we discover how Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promises to us and how the promises he kept then fulfill our deepest longings now. Hello again, church family. Today we are looking at a biblical text that reminds me of something that Bonnie and I did a few years back. A few years ago, we were with the other Woodside campus pastors and the other campus pastor wives, and we were away, and what they did is they divided us into two groups. They said, campus pastors, you go here, campus pastor wives, you go here. And then what we did is we competed against each other to see who could do the thing the fastest. Now, the thing we did was an escape room. How many of you have experienced the escape room? They're tough, aren't they? For those of you who are not familiar with the uh, voluntary torture of an escape room, allow me to explain to you what that experience is like. A group of people sign up and you go and you are locked in a room together. (laughs) It's a great start right there. Typically, you're in somewhat tight quarters for about a half hour, hour, depending on what you sign up for. And what you need to know is there is no obvious way out of this particular room. It's filled with clues. It's filled with puzzles. You have to solve those clues and solve those puzzles if you would like to earn your way out, your way of escape. Now, to be completely honest with you, what I just told you, half of you in this room are like, I will never do that in my entire life. It's not for everybody. Now, reportedly, did a little research on this. Reportedly, only 30% of all participants in an escape room actually figure out the riddle and escape. 30%. The success rate, not terribly high. So if you're like the campus pastors or the campus pastor wives, you would fit solidly in that 70%. <laughs> of someone who needed a little help to escape. Now, in the middle of the Christmas season, I'm guessing some of you are saying, Pastor, why are you talking about an escape room on a Sunday morning? And I'll tell you, it's, it's a fair question, actually. But the reason I'm bringing it up is because what we're looking at today, in God's Word... And what we experience in our lives oftentimes is actually a lot like an escape room. If we're going to be honest with each other about what we experience day to day, it can feel a lot like an escape room. There are things in our lives that make us feel trapped. Sometimes we can't put all the pieces together to be able to go where we want to go and do what we want to do. We just can't figure out the clues. And on a deeper level, on a deeper reality, 
We were all born into captivity. None of us here can escape our sinful condition by ourselves. We need a deliverer. And so while the Christmas story might mean many different things to many different people in our world today, just drive through a neighborhood and you'll get an idea of what it means. Santa, snowmen. It means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But one thing is clear. If we believe the biblical narrative, then what took place in the stable in Bethlehem actually matters. It matters. Because it provides exactly what you and I need. We're going to learn more from God's word in just a moment. But before we do that, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for your word. We're so grateful that we have the privilege of opening up and seeing what it has for us today. Recognizing that it was written a very long time ago to a very specific people in different settings, in different seasons, and yet it has truth that bears upon our lives today. So God, we need eyes to see this truth. We need ears that are ready to hear this truth. And then God, we need humble hearts today to take the truth and to put it into practice in our lives in the week ahead. We can't do that on our own. We need you to do that through the power of the Holy Spirit, guiding us and directing us and leading us. And so we invite your spirit to work today in this moment. We ask this humbly. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as many of you have been able to surmise from the lighting of the uh, third Advent candle, today is part three of our Advent series titled Fulfilled. And throughout our series, what we've been doing is we've been looking at key passages from Matthew's gospel that what he does is he shows us the importance of the coming of Christ and why that is an actual fulfillment of what was told would happen in the Old Testament. The Old Testament guides us and gives us a shadow and what we find is the fulfillment of that shadow in Jesus Christ. So let's turn today and uh, see why this matters to you and to me so deeply. Let's grab our Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 2. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 2, verse 13, and then we're going to skip down and pick it up at verse 19. You're going to find that on page 808 in your ESV Bible, or as always, you can read along behind me. Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and he took the child and his mother by night and he departed to Egypt. And he remained there until the death of Herod. And this was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. 
Now let's skip down to verse 19. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt saying, rise, take the child and his mother, go to the land of Israel for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and he took the child and his mother and he went to the land of Israel. Clearly, Matthew and other New Testament writers know the Old Testament scriptures. They were aware of them. They knew of them. They knew them well. Clearly, they knew that the Old Testament scriptures were for them and they had been written a long time ago and they had direct impact on their lives. And clearly, what they did is they interpreted what they were experiencing based on what the Lord had already spoken. Now, this is important. This is important for you and for me because this is why scholars and Bible teachers and pastors will often tell you this, that if you want to understand God's word in its fullness, what you need to do is you need to evaluate what you're reading with the rest of Scripture. Does it align? Does it connect? This past week, a group of 25 to 30 of us finished our immerse Bible reading experience. We talked about that at the beginning of the fall, and there's a group of us who have actually read through the entirety of the New Testament. We've done it together. It's been a great experience. But in our time together, one of the things we discussed was the importance of reading the Bible in context. Not just pulling out a sentence here or there or pulling out an idea here or there and running with it, but the importance of reading the Bible in context, and that means reading it big, connecting it with other parts of the story. And when we do this, when we read God's word like this, what happens is we will be able to see these major sweeping themes that run from the beginning of Scripture to the end of Scripture. They're there. And you see them more clearly when you read in that fashion. What we're doing today is we're looking at a theme that has been unfolding from the beginning of Scripture and we see it come to its conclusion in Jesus, in the baby. So let's look a little bit closer. Let's look back to verse 13. It says, Now when they had departed... Behold, always one of those words you want to pay attention to. Behold, oh, wait a minute, something big is going to happen. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph, and he did so in a dream. And he said, rise, take the child. Who's the child? Four people in the entire congregation know that that's the baby Jesus. Rise and take Jesus and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Well, that just got intense, didn't it? Things just got turned up a little bit. The heat just rose. And so Joseph does what he's told. He rose and he took the child and his mother by night and he departed to Egypt and he remained there until the death of Herod. 
This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. So let's evaluate here for just a moment. Let's get an idea. Simply put, King Herod is a wild man. He is an egomaniac. He is an egomaniac who will stop at nothing to protect his own rule and his own reign, including killing his own family members. Do a little research on this guy. He is not a guy you want in your family tree. He's not the guy you want coming over for Thanksgiving dinner. He's a murderer. So it is not hard to see why he is hunting down a newborn child who people are already talking about as a king. You can see why he wants to find the baby. Thankfully, that's when God steps in. Almost as quickly as the wise men come to worship him, when we looked at that last week, the baby and his parents need to flee for their safety. It is happening, and it is happening quickly. They need to escape because of the wide, wise words of counsel that are given to them by the angel. The angel says, take Mary, take Jesus, and flee to Egypt and stay there. Don't think about coming back until I tell you to return. There's no time to ponder. There's no time to think about this. There's no time for him to kind of go, well, I need to talk to some friends about that if they think that's a good idea or not. Uh-uh. He needs to go. And so God gave Joseph clear counsel, and he followed it faithfully. He did what he was told. And it's in this act of faithfulness that you and I learn a very important lesson for your life and for my life. And it is this, that Christ followers must recognize our need for deliverance. You and I must recognize our need for our own deliverance. Now, the reality is none of us here, I don't believe, are trying to protect our family from a tyrant king. Anybody like that? Yeah, I didn't think so. And yet we all face the reality, don't we, of living in a broken, fallen world. We all face this reality of when we wake up in the morning, when we put our head on the pillow at night, there's a reality that many of us will say, it is not how it is supposed to be. The world is not how it's supposed to be. My family is not how it's supposed to be. My life is not how it's supposed to be. Sadly, the biggest, toughest, most difficult situations that we find ourselves in often are because of our own sinful choices. Things we should not have done and we did them. Things that we should have done but didn't. There are both sins of commission and sins of omission. These are the things, church family, that keep us up at night. These are the things that bring a tear to our eye if we pause long enough to allow God to bring them to mind, bring them to heart. And many of us feel the weight of those things. We carry the burden of those things. And that is why, that is precisely why the coming of the baby in the manger matters. That's why. 
Because of those things that keep us up at night, because of those things that cause us to cry in our quiet moments, the baby is worthy of our attention at this time of year during the Advent season, but year-round, year-round, because it is through faith in that baby Faith in the baby who was born in Bethlehem that sinful people like you and like me find our hope. It's in the baby that we find freedom. It's in the baby that we find freedom from shame. and It's in the baby that we find true deliverance. But that begs the question, do you know that you need deliverance. One of the beautiful things about participating in baptism as a church family is that we get to celebrate with Jeff and with Ryan and with Annalise and they proclaim to us, you know what? I need deliverance. And I find it in Jesus. And I want to tell everyone about it. That's what repentance and faith look like in practice. Right there. Listen to how the Apostle Paul describes this release that believers experience in Romans chapter 6. He says, thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin, trapped, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to what you were committed. And having been set free from sin, (laughs) you become slaves of righteousness. Such a beautiful picture. This is what happens when we get to the point where we recognize and respond to our need for deliverance. We come to Jesus. We come to the baby. Now, church family, let's continue on. Let's return to our text and pick it up at those final few verses. Verses 19 through 21. But when Herod had died, behold, there's that word again, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt saying, rise, take the child. Who's the child? Awesome, you guys are better that time. Take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. And so he rose and he took the child and his mother and he went to the land of Israel. God kept his promise. The angel of the Lord returns to Joseph and he invites him. He says, come home. Joseph, Mary, Jesus, come home. So if you're keeping score, God has provided not only an escape for Jesus and his family, but also a return home from Egypt. Don't overlook the imagery that, what, that we see there, what's taken place there. In fact, what we've seen has many similarities between the Old Testament story of Moses and God's people under Pharaoh and the birth story of Jesus under King Herod. Let me highlight just a few of those for you. Both baby Moses and baby Jesus need to be delivered 
from oppressive rulers. Moses by floating down a river, we're familiar with that story, and Jesus being taken out of Israel to Egypt. Both rulers were seeking to kill innocent children in that time period to protect themselves. And both Moses through the burning bush and both Jesus through the angel's words to his father were able to return because of God's leading. Because of God's leading. And I might say, well, why is this important? Because Matthew is the most Jewish of all the gospel accounts. It is written to help Jewish people see God's plan for redemption and to see that that plan of redemption finds its fulfillment in Jesus the Christ. You say, okay, I understand that, but why is this important to me? Well, the reality is it matters to men, women, and children right here in Oakland County because God's story of redemption is your story. God's story of redemption is our story. And we need to be reminded that God provided a way of deliverance from his people in the Old Testament. And because we need to be reminded of the significance of Jesus' return to Israel, the presence of God had now returned for his people. And this also serves as a reminder to each one of us today that God has provided a way of deliverance for you and for me through the birth of his son. He's done that in Christ. What he asks of us, what he asks of you and of me is that we would receive this call to come home. That we would receive and we would respond to our call to come home. So wherever it is that you find yourself on your faith journey, God invites you. He beckons you. He welcomes you through his son to come home. I don't think I need to tell you the significance of home. I think most of us understand the significance of home, that home is the place of love. Home is the place and should be the place of comfort. Home is the place where we go to rest. Home is the place where we desire and should experience peace. So whether you're traveling on a business trip, maybe you've been away on an extended time visiting family or friends, perhaps you've been on vacation, there are few things better than walking in the door at home. The reality is that is one of our deepest longings. Home is one of our deepest longings. And I think few, few people have ever captured the essence of what it means to return home or the significance of home more than an author by the name of Frederick Beekner. Here's what he writes in his classic book, Longing for Home. He says, the longing for home is so universal it's so universal a form of longing that there is even a special word for it, which, of course, is homesickness. Beekner also says that faith is homesickness. So now as we close, 
I want to ask you to consider a few important questions. Where are you on your faith journey? In the middle of the Advent season, where do you find yourself on your faith journey? Do you find yourself longing for home? Do you sense that God is calling you home with the coming of Jesus, who is the Christ? For with the coming of the baby, the world gets a vivid picture of how God seeks to deliver those who've been exiled. Whether they want to acknowledge that or not, we get a vivid picture. And with the coming of Christ, the one who would grow to live a perfect life and then spare and sacrifice that life on a cross to pay the penalty of your sins and my sins. And with the coming of Jesus, God provides a way for you and for me to be delivered. To be delivered. So whether you've been in church for 70 years or this is the first time you've been back in a very long time. It is my hope today that you will escape from the tyranny, from the temptations, and from the trappings of this world to come home for Christmas. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.